My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Some years ago, I had a chance to visit Loreto in Italy, where they have half of the house of Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph and Jesus lived. And if you go there, it's very easy to pray, obviously, it's holy land. And, uh, and there's an inscription in one of the altars that says, Ic verbum caro factum est, which means here the word was made flesh. And when you pray the angelus, if you are there and you pray the angelus, you say it in that way. Here the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And it is so easy to pray in that place, to recollect yourself, to go with your imagination to those years when Mary, Joseph, and Jesus lived together in this world and to be part of that family. And today, Jesus, my Lord, I want to go back to that moment of the Annunciation. The Gospel of St. Luke says that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph from the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the gospel continues. Coming to her, St. Gabriel said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And Mary was troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, just to calm her down, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. So Mary was, for some seconds, pondering. What does it mean, what you are saying? Am I really called to be the Mother of God? And uh, the saints, all the saints, have always meditated on on this scene because it was a turning point of human history, obviously. St. Francis of, of uh, Sales says that uh, the whole choir of angels leaned over the balustrades of heaven to see and admire this darling child, this little teenager in a lost town of Nazareth, pondering in her heart the invitation from God. And today, Jesus, I want to go to that moment and, uh, and then to appreciate, to savor those seconds where, when eternity was hanging on the lips of uh, this little girl. And then to pray and to think, wow, my destiny and the destiny of all human beings depended on you, Mary. And we can feel the tension of the angels and the saints and even God respecting your freedom, my mother. And then finally, like a, like a song that will never 
stop singing, you open your, your mouth, and with your whole heart, you said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I was born to follow God. I was born to put all my talents at the service of redemption, of course. May it be done according to your word. And then the angel departed from her, and the second person of the Blessed Trinity started his appearance in, in human history. Now let's go for a second, maybe today, in this feast day of the presentation of Mary, let's go back to the, so to speak, making of of the vocation of Mary. When she received the invitation, the annunciation, her vocation, she was ready because she had been preparing that moment for years. And that's what we celebrate today. Today is the day when Mary went to the temple before this annunciation, before meeting St. Gabriel, maybe some years before, maybe some months. And then she prayed at the temple and she offered herself to God. And then things happened later, right? And this is what we should follow. This is what we should meditate on today. And that if I put everything in contact with God, if I open myself up to the plans that God has for me, things will happen. And I will be ready to tune with the Blessed Trinity. And uh, history will change. First and foremost, inside me. Which is the most important place to change history. And then from there, we can reach out to the rest of the world. And this is what my vocation means, Jesus, to encounter you and then to go outside of myself. That's what Mary understood very well. And that's what I want to follow. So now you may think that your vocation is not as special as Mary's vocation or that the circumstances in your world are, are not fitting for anything exciting. Maybe you have the excuse, Jesus, maybe I have the excuse of thinking that uh, I'm not called to live a wonderful life, or at least the life of Mary. And this is a big temptation. Pope uh, Francis says, often it seems that God doesn't exist. All around us we see persistent injustice, evil, indifference, and cruelty. And then maybe we feel the weight of those things upon our hearts, and then we feel dark or, or, or just nasty or, you know, undeserving of, of, of a destiny that is worth living. And the Pope continues, but it is also true that in the midst of darkness, something new always springs to life. Something new always springs to life, and sooner or later produces fruit. And the darker the situation is, the easier later to see a little light that shines, that brights, that gives hope. So I don't know where are you now or what's your situation in life, but no matter how far indifferent you feel towards God, even if we are deep into sin, there's always a moment that we can look up to heaven and ask for a new life right now where you are. Remember the words that are written in the house of a Nazareth, ik verbum caro factum est, here, 
the word was made flesh. And I bet you that God wants to write those same letters or words in your heart. Here, I want to be born. As I was born in the heart, in the, in the immaculate womb of Mary, I want to be part of your life. God is asking you, can I enter? Can I be part of your life? And I want to answer, yes, of course. I am the handmaid of the Lord. I am ready. I am happy. I am willing. And my life as it is, is a, is a perfect space and, and is the perfect moment to receive this message. I remember some years ago, we went with some other guys to a get-together with the Bishop Prelate of Opus Dei, Javier Echevarria. And uh, it was a get-together of a celebration for the beatification of Blessed Alvaro. Thousands of people were there in, in, a, in a stadium, in an arena, basketball arena in Madrid. And it was a wonderful celebration. People were asking questions, but it was very spontaneous. And the prelate was answering. And I remember, I think the first or the second person that answered, sorry, that asked something to the prelate was a woman, uh, very young, maybe in her 20s, mid-20s. And then she said, Father, you know, I, I love the spirituality of Opus Dei, being called to be a saint in the middle of the world, and I'm very excited about that. In my job, I try to bring my friends closer to Jesus Christ uh, through my conversation, through my friendship. I try to be honest. I try to work hard. I try to make friends there and to bring some topics of conversations when we have a break or for lunch. And then she was just, you know, showing a panorama of, of wonderful, apostolic, driven life. I have three kids. I remember she said something like that, three kids. And I'm very happy being a mom. And then the prelate asked her, oh, that's wonderful, that's beautiful. What's your, what's your job, by the way? And then she said, oh, I'm a street cleaner, and I walk through these streets of Madrid every morning, and I, and I was shocked when I heard that. Because with all my respect, but the job was very humble job, like, uh, you know, humanly speaking, it's not the most exciting thing in the world to be, you know, cleaning the streets of Madrid early in the morning, pretty early, just dealing with trash all your day and maybe your life as a profession. It's not, at least it's not my first pick, right? I respect that and I love it, people doing that, but it made me think. That woman was excited. She was driven. And the circumstances were not the most spectacular in the world, but she had fire in her heart. And it made me think a lot, examine myself. What am I expecting from life, Jesus? Am I waiting for something to happen? Or am I taking the lead, tuning with the Blessed Trinity where I am now, in this precise moment in my life, in human history, there is a chance, there is room, there is space for an encounter with you, my Lord. That's what Mary is kind of telling me today. She's showing me this precisely in a lost town of Nazareth. A little girl, full of joy, full of grace, waiting, preparing herself, giving herself to God, and then receiving the message. Sometimes I think, Jesus, that my vocation should come from you.
It's just falling from the sky, like, okay, this is your vocation, this is my plan for you. And this is just half of my vocation. The other half is my freedom. The other half is my desire to follow you. My willingness to change the world, to, to put my personal initiative at stake, and to just say, okay, yeah, what, what can I, how can I help you? I work in a high school in, in Chicago, and the other day I was bringing a big box in the morning. I needed to bring it to my office. Got out of the car. I was, you know, uh, holding the box, locking the car, trying to get into the building. On my way to my office, maybe 30 yards, three different people asked me, do you need help, father? Hey, father, do you need help? Three times in 30 seconds. I said, I'm fine, thank you, or can you open the door? Whatever. And I go to my office, I put the box on the ground, and then I started my day. But later, I was thinking, Jesus Christ is not with a box. He's with a cross, and he's with the redemption of human beings, with the whole history of salvation in his hands, on his hands, and, uh, and he needs people to help him. And uh, if you need help, if you need to do something, if I, for example, if later in the day, let's say that I would need some help that day, I would have gone to those guys that offered themselves beforehand early in the morning. I would say, hey, by the way, now that you mentioned that, I mean, the box is over, but I need to do this or that, whatever. Can you help me? Because the fact that you offered yourself to me makes, makes me think about you and think, okay, maybe you can help me in this other thing that I need to do. And in a way, I think Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit act in the same way. 50% of my vocation is the invitation that God you know, puts in, in, in front of me. Hey, do you want to change the world? Do you want to change yourself? And then the other half is, yes, how can I help you? How can I be more, I mean, closer to you and, and helpful for you? And this is what makes my vocation beautiful, because it's divine and human at the same time. So I have responsibility. I have a say. And this is what actually engages me in following you, my Lord. Like this woman that we were talking about, street cleaner, embracing reality, embracing her life, embracing her circumstances and saying, okay, here... I need to find God. Here I want to find God, and here I will find God doing my job. And this is what St. Maria said many times. You can read it in the, in the homily, passionately loving the world, passionately loving the world, which is his iconic homily to understand the spirituality of Opus Dei. And he said, God is calling you to serve him in and from the ordinary activities of human life right there. He waits for us every day, in the lab, in the operating theater, in the army barracks, in the university chair, in the factory, in the workshop, in the fields, in the home, and in the immense panorama of work. Understand this well. There is something holy, something divine, hidden in the most ordinary situations. And it is up to each, of, each one of us to discover it. There's something holy, 
And it's up to you to discover it. It's not evident. It's not overwhelming. God doesn't scream to you. <laughs> Jesus Christ doesn't impose himself to you. Like, you gotta follow me. You gotta see this. Because then it would go against our freedom. So God counts on you being intelligent, free. Thank you, my Lord, for respecting me. Thank you for giving to me all the graces that I need to follow you, but, but waiting, as St. Jose Maria says, till I say, yes, I want to. So how can I discover my vocation, or how can I keep growing in my vocation? Pope Francis was saying recently, through prayer. And then he pointed out two fundamental realities, or pillars, if you want to call them, in order to know how to pray better, and in order to know if you are praying well. And he said the first thing is to follow Jesus Christ in his prayer. And he said something that made me think a lot. He said that, that when Jesus prayed, God the Father always showed him the most difficult path to follow. In other words, when Jesus says the gospel early in the morning, went to pray, preparing the day before calling the apostles, or when Jesus was praying at night, remember? All night long, Jesus, under the stars, praying before his passion. The Father, God the Father, would show him, hey, this is the most demanding thing. This is a challenge that I want to, to help you to see. And then you see the humanity of Jesus Christ with the need of talking to his Father in order to see how to follow him closer through an inclined plane that was more demanding. So in other words, his prayer made him more generous. Forgetting about himself and following a challenge, putting in, in front of him by his Father, respecting his freedom again. And then Jesus, with prayer, was able to go through that path that ended up, ultimately, at the cross. But freely, with prayer. And the second aspect that the Pope mentioned in his homily was that uh, only through continuity we will grow in prayer. Only through a commitment of prayer daily. Over the years, we will be transformed. So we cannot pray just a lot one day and that's it. The transformation that God wants you to go through takes into account your patience, your fidelity, your praying the days that you don't see anything at all, that you don't feel anything at all, and then you keep praying. And then over the years, ultimately when you die, the transformation, you know, changes you, your personality, but you and I should go through this very long path. It's the path that the prophets followed in the Old Testament, the four years in the desert, you know? It's not that all the days are super difficult, but some of them are, some of them in darkness, some of them feeling lost or just um, indifferent. And you keep praying, we keep praying, and then you know, your, your muscles in your soul develop and grow. And then I am able to understand you, Jesus. I am able to tune, to see reality with your eyes. This is what Mary 
shows us. In order to say, here I am, the handmaid of the Lord, you gotta be, you know, prepared for that through prayer, through sacrifices. Many other things that Mary gave to God before saying, my whole life. That moment was, again, like a making of over the years. And that's wonderful. So I want to pray to discover a more difficult path, more demanding in the sense that it gives me the chance to be more generous. And also I want to pray every day. Could be 10 minutes, could be five minutes. Commitment of prayer. Maybe in the morning, first thing first, right? Like uh, before the day goes on and we get into this uh, hectic schedule or whatever, I need to pray. And then my relationships with others will be different because they will be illuminated by the light of my, of my morning prayer. And then my, my meetings, my interacting with people, my failing in something, whatever, will have a background of light, of a company of Jesus Christ that will give meaning to everything I do. That's beautiful. Jesus accompanying me, you, my Lord, accompanying me during the rest of the day because I, I met you in the morning and then just, it makes sense. And the other thing is to, to understand that prayer gives us strength. Uh, recently, I met a couple. They invited me over for dinner. Very nice couple. And um, very soon after they got married, 20 so years ago, they discovered that they couldn't, they were, they were not able to have kids and that they prayed. They prayed about it. Again, prayer. And they decided to adopt kids. And uh, this is not something that is mandatory. I don't have kids, I gotta adopt. No, it's something that you gotta pray and you're free. You can find, I mean, if you don't have, adopt anybody, you're fine. You just, you, you're not guilty of anything. And, uh, and that's it, end of the story. But they said, no, I want to, we want to give our love to other kids, to other children. And they adopted five of them, two of them with special needs. And I went to their house for dinner and uh, one of them with very special needs. Uh, he, during the time that we were together, it was a lot of fun. He, so to speak, he crossed the line, say, five times during that night, throwing something, uh, screaming or getting upset, whatever. And uh, I was impressed by both mom, dad, and the other siblings. They were, all of them, being very, very merciful, very warm very patient, very kind. And you could see a lot of prayer there. The, the reality of, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord, was present in that, in that house. It's present right now in that house, I gotta tell you. And this is not just because you are born with a special personality or you just woke up that day you know, inspired. There is a cross there that is huge. And there's a strength that comes from prayer, from meeting Jesus Christ, period. And then you can do it. So maybe it's time for me to, to learn this lesson, Jesus. To learn the beauty of those hidden lives in history, hidden saints. 
and to contemplate Mary in the hidden house, little house of Nazareth, saying yes. And telling me, you don't need to be in the front page of the news, you don't need to be a celebrity, you don't have to be living a spectacular life according to the world. You can be in your little room transforming human history. Great deal. And not being, meeting Jesus Christ doesn't mean to be indifferent towards the world. Is what San Jose Maria was saying. After discovering your vocation, you go to the world. You embrace human realities and you give them the flavor, the presence of Jesus Christ. I mean, just look at Mary. Look at her personality. Immediately, right after receiving the Annunciation from the angel, the Gospel says that in haste, in haste, she went to visit her cousin. Immediately. And the angel didn't say anything, like, you gotta go. No, she immediately thought, I have good news, gotta share them. I, I should share them, of course. And then in haste, I cannot wait to see my cousin and to share the good news that are now part of my life. And then quickly, to the mountain, to visit her cousin. Later, in the life of Mary, we see her, quote-unquote, impatience or, or big desire of changing things. Remember, the first miracle of Jesus Christ was forced by Mary. And again, it was not, you know, an exorcism or something like a spectacular. It was wine at a wedding feast. Like a, you know, a feast day, wedding, dancing, music. And there's no wine. And Mary says, I, you know, this couple, poor guys, they are absent-minded. They are going to be remembered forever as the guys without wine in the wedding. So it's going to be a shame forever and ever. Everybody will make fun of them. And Mary, as a good mother, said, no way. Jesus, you got to do something. And Jesus says, it's not the time. And Mary, in a very Jewish way, she says, whatever, but do whatever he tells you to the servants. I don't know if it's the time, I don't know how, but just do it. And Jesus, you know, makes the first miracle in human history at a wedding feast, at a wedding celebration, in a very normal circumstances, just giving his, uh, his presence, his light, his joy to the new couple that are just married. And because of Mary's intercession, in haste, going to her cousin, in haste, moving God to do something in history. Later on, remember, St. James went to preach the gospel to Iberia, to the current Spain. He was discouraged. He said, there's no way we can find any saint here. We cannot build a church here. Let's go back to Jerusalem. And Mary appeared to him on a pillar saying, here, you got to preach. Here, you have my company. Here, we need to change the world. Don't flee from reality. Don't hide. Pray more. Be more supernatural. Believe. And St. James reacted in a very funny way because he said, you know what? Not only here, but I'm going to go till the end of the world to preach the gospel. The place that was called Finisterre, literally, the end of the world. And he's buried right now there. And all the pilgrims go to Santiago in the Finisterre 
to honor the apostle that wanted to bring Jesus till the last corner of the world and was buried right there because of Mary's intercession. Nowadays, I don't know where, but maybe we should say, let's go to the moon. Let's go to the moon, let's go to Mars to bring the gospel. Or maybe you'd say, well, there's nobody in Mars, there's no point of going there. Okay, fine, let's go to other countries, let's go to other rooms, let's go to other you know, places in my office to bring the good news, to bring the encounter that we have with Jesus Christ every day to other people. And sometimes we will talk directly about Jesus. Sometimes it will be just friendship. And maybe for years. Loyal friendship, loyal camaraderie, sharing many other things, and at the end, sharing the good news of the gospel. Why not? Why not? What is stopping you from doing that? Your life as it is could be the place to encounter God, the place to discover your vocation. Ask Mary. Let's ask the Blessed Virgin Mary, my mother. I want to be like you. I want to be personal with God. I don't want to expect anything from outside, like a whatever. I want to encounter God in my heart, to say yes to him there, which is the most important place, and from there, to bring it to the rest of the world. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.